Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Home Cookery and Other Sins. This is episode 2 and we are Ashley and Nick, because uh, we forgot to mention that last time until the very end. Or Ash, Ashnick to our friends. No, um, no one calls us that. No, but you can. <laughs> and we are, we're just two home cooks and we're trying to make it in a world that absolutely caters to being a home cook who doesn't know shit about cooking. It's pretty great, actually. Uh, you know, we've been watching some old, um, some HBO episodes of Julia recently, and it's like, these housewives had to figure out how to cook from a TV show that was, you know, you couldn't, like, record it, you couldn't pause it, and it sounds super entitled and bitchy, but, like, how did anybody do anything back then, right? Exactly. You had to buy the book. Yeah, but it's so much easier to do stuff with videos. Like, it's so much easier when you can see what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, but that's why a professionally written book takes as long as it does to put out. Because you had to actually, like, write the recipe well. Because you only get one shot. One opportunity. I guess, yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, the whole point of her thing, you know, her French cookbook that she came out with was like, everybody can use it. And I'm like, I still couldn't use that. I'd fuck that up. Yes, you could. I will, we'll try it one time and tell you how it goes. <laughs> this is not a review of a Julia Child's recipe. This is a review of uh, one of our other favorites, Babish, Binging with Babish, otherwise known as Andrew Ray. Uh, he did a meatloaf. Let's strike that, reverse it. It's Andrew Ray, otherwise known as you can, Binging with Babish. You know what? Internet people probably will know him as Babish. Or the Babish Culinary Universe. Yeah, I mean, he sells tools and pans and crap. It's Babish anyways. But his name is Andrew Ray, in case anyone cares. <laughs> Andrew Ray does. I'm sure. Uh... He's very good. We like his videos. <laughs> um, and he made one on meatloaf. Ah, meatloaf. One of the most divided forms of loafery. You have the wonderful banana loaf. Banana bread made into a loaf. You have meatloaf. Of the meated loaf. I have nowhere to go with this. Uh, yeah, I don't know where that know. was. That I was where the trajectory of that. I hadn't said anything in a minute. I like to hear my mm, own voice. Uh-huh. He, <laughs> he doesn't. He's a real big bitch about it. Uh, <laughs> Love you. Yeah, we have the sound muted to his mic, so he can't hear himself talk because he hates his voice. I hate the sound Hopefully. of my own voice. Yay. Hopefully you guys don't. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about meatloaf, which, if you tuned into our last episode, we were talking about clam chowder, pasta, and if your spirit is a 40-year-old Midwestern woman, Welcome. <laughs> We're going to be talking about meatloaf today. I personally had a mom who made really good meatloaf, so I like meatloaf. Although my other siblings who had the same mom don't like meatloaf, so, you know, it's a sh yeah, I, who fucking knows. But I like meatloaf. It's ketchupy meat. You can eat it for like 80 days after you cook it. It saves forever. It's great. Well, again, it's all about what meatloaf you had. I mean, I know that none of your siblings that hate meatloaf will try this meatloaf because meatloaf but if you had this as your first meatloaf I'd be you'd be hard pressed to hate it uh, it doesn't even sound appealing meatloaaf. no it's like no, it foot doesn't. bag oh don't you Craig Fergus in me <laughs> like, ah we're gonna play some foot bag yeah it's Craig Ferguson for hacky sack <laughs> 
sounds uh, it sounds really gross, but well, yeah, meatloaf does too. Well, it's a depression era food. Yes. When you're trying to take what little meat you have and stretch it out with what stale bread you had, so of yes. course it sounds gross. Yes. Welcome back, Professor History Major Nick. Do we have a story today, or are we gonna just trail off again? No, I trailed off already with the loaves, banana loaves and meatloaf loaves. Hmm. I'm just telling you that's where meatloaf is from. Russian air food. Yeah, so I'm sure (laughs) back in the way back, it was probably made with horse bones and jelly, like the actual grape jelly. You know, because if you ever look at those recipes from like a microwave cookbook from the 50s (laughs) or something, and you're like, who fucking ate this? And it was like, oh, everybody, probably including... All your old relatives in America, you know, we all ate this. I don't, I don't know what we were doing while the rest of the world was like making food and science, but we were eating microwave garbage. I, <laughs> America. <laughs> well, you know, we have the the dairy industry supplementing all of these at home recipes, so that's what you get. Beef on cho- toast, also affectionately known as shit on a shake. Yeah, yeah. So something that started, I mean, I talked about this a little bit on the last episode, some some recipes that started out as really terrible, like, church basement trash, you know, unless you're from that time and you just, like, don't know better, and, like, Taco Bell's your favorite Mexican food, you know what I mean? Like, that's okay, I guess, you're just not living your best life. Or you are by your standards, but there's <laughs> Come more, to California, we have better food. flavorful food. California. I mean, there's, you don't have to be in California. Or on the coast. Well, the middle can do it up, too. They just historically don't. They don't. But, but they, they kind of do now. If you watch enough Travel Channel and Guy Fieri, diners, drive-ins, and dives. Mm. That's fair. The Mexicans have made it out that far. They're, oh. they're, they've penetrated. Oh, let's, let's talk about Brownman's Delight, because we, it needs to be addressed. I said this in my... Uh, the last Six minutes in, and we're finally going to address Brownman's Delight. We're going to address the elephant in the room. Uh, yeah, episode one, I mentioned Brownman's Delight as a term a lot. As the title. And I just want everybody to know that I am a white person, but yes. I do not happen to be racist. We can hear the whiteness in your voice. I Probably. I mean, that's assuming that white people sound white and other people don't. Rude. But... <laughs> How dare you assume my race? Yeah, don't assume my race. But either way, the point is, the point is, it's actually the actual, like, quip from my brother, Brosif, is Beigeman's Delight. (laughs) And it's referring to the color of the food, which is brown beige. It doesn't have color or, like, plant life around it or in it, so... It's beige. Like, it's just, like, Midwestern food that doesn't have a lot of vegetables associated with it. You know, where the most flavorful thing is that spicy black pepper. Yeah, but we do cook a lot of Beigeman's Delight because it is delicious. It is delicious. See the meatloaf that we're about to talk about? It can be delicious. Yeah, can be. It has its place. Not everything has to have green crap on it. Like No. Sometimes but, it helps. But if your representation of meatloaf is the stofers that somebody threw in the oven, or microwave if you're going to get fancy about it. Oh, at least they could have like chopped up fresh parsley and not be such a bitch. So that's where the Beigeman's Delight is going to be coming in, is if that's your representation of things like meatloaf. 
or clam chowder. Yeah. Yes. So it just means the food's brown, not the people eating the food. No, generally white people are eating brown than white. Not, no. If, no? No. It's just whatever you grow up with. Like, you want the opposite. Grass is always greener syndrome is, like, a whole thing with little kids and every kid's, right? Like, you, <laughs> you grow up with the food that your parents make. And historically, I mean, I don't think this is going to be a thing far into the future because we're all kind of fusing our cuisines. As, I mean, as time goes on. We're that not, will be interesting to see. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. But in another 50, 60 years. Yeah. In the past, though, it was you so had... Segregated and segmented. You had Mexican parents. You got Mexican food. You had white parents. You got white people food, and I'm sorry for you. And, you no, know... <laughs> no, White people food is delicious. And, you know, maybe you got a mix of the two if you're the older you... Or the... Sorry, the younger you are, I suppose. I'm, I'm the younger of this situation, right? Um, because my mom loved Italian food and Mexican food. Why? Because she grew up next to a, her best friend whose parents were Mexican and made like traditionally Mexican and Spanish foods. And she was like, oh my God, this is just a life changer because it's not anything Something I've ever, flavor. it's not anything I've ever had at home, you know, but that's every kid that that wants to do something whatever their parents are doing it's not their thing and they want something else right a lot of the time yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so lots of people like my mom are good examples of hybridization of that and you know anybody can cook any food and people are envious of other cultures that they're not like used to or they don't get all the time like you know everybody has your aunt that all they have for Italian food is Olive Garden in like Iowa. I'm, <laughs> I have an aunt that's pretty much from Iowa. Pretty <laughs> so, much. So I'm just gonna keep referencing that forever. But she likes good food. But anyway, everybody has that aunt that's like they got Taco Bell. That's all the Mexican food they have. And every time they come to California or the coast, where you listener maybe live or you maybe don't, and you're going, oh, West Coast supremacy. Um, west coast west coast yeah west coast west coast west coast last coast if you work on the west coast you got to pick up everybody else's trash you know what i'm saying but <laughs> but anyway um brown food brown people white people we all eat whatever we want thankfully it's we can eat so many different things now uh one of the privileges of the modern connected world Every time I think about that, I still think about the three amigos. If you if you see who is that? Um, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Is it not Martin Short? It's no. Yeah, it's, it's Martin Short, Chevy, Chevy Chase, Chase, and Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Thank you. And when they're in, if you've seen this, you'll you'll remember the scene where they're in Mexico trying to uh, save the village, and uh, one of the three amigos starts eating. It looks at his taco and goes, "Do you have anything besides Mexican food?" <laughs> while in the heart of Mexico. So I love the fact that that's not our daily life where there's only one type of food accessible to us. I mean, we did just have Mexican food three times this week, but uh, well, I mean, it was yeah. Cinco de Mayo to, to, to date ourselves, Cinco de Mayo, uh, to try and put a date on this episode. Uh, so, I mean, it made sense that we had a lot of Mexican food that week. It was Cinco de Mayo, and we did make Cinco de Nachos, 
with Cinco de Carnitas. So it was a good week. Five Carnitas? Was there five types of pig? No. Ah. That would be cool. But that wasn't that wasn't what happened. I mean, obviously, yeah, Americans in general were just super we're lucky because spoiled. because we're a melting pot in terms of food. God, we are. Like, the options. The, the options, right? It's crazy. We're so spoiled. I mean, especially West Coast, California. It's like the biggest example of that. Oh, or uh, nor one of, northeast. One of, I was yeah, going to say northeast, the east, but the east <laughs> is kind of a pretty broad category yeah we're not talking about florida the ball sack of the country like, oh no we just isolated like one sixteenth <laughs> of our listeners oh that's true if you ever listen to this bo bandy uh sorry oh no 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 names yeah uh but they have a lot of good food in florida i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> that no they do they have cuban food which is which, i'm I jealous mean, that saves them Oh yeah, Cuban food is. Cuban food is a mystery out there. No, we have some Cuban food. We have everything. It's not, I mean, <laughs> comparatively, it's no. not Floridian Cuban food. Yeah, so it's not as good, but there's good. We're not starved for choice like there's a Mexican restaurant every third block around here, Jizz. In case you didn't know, drastically different from Cuban food. Yeah. Uh. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty different. <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing. Mexican and Chinese food, uh, you know, Asian, whatever you're going to call it, it's like, or like Mediterranean food, right? It's like, that's those like are, a, a billion really countries. Categories. That's so many different styles of food. And I'm, I mean, we're kind of just learning that for real. Like, we know that, you know, but when you start to cook, like, Peruvian food or something, you're like, so oh, this much. is not Mexican food. Yeah, you this just, is... anything Spanish used to just be, oh, that's Mexican food, let alone that it's from Peru or Chile or Cuba. Which all of are not Spain. No. <laughs> it's on the other side of the ocean. But, but I mean, yeah, like they have, like the flavor profiles are united because the Spanish, like, came and raped and murdered a bunch of people in South America, but you know, so their food is like a big baby of rape and war, but it tastes really good. Wow. Yeah. The discussion of rape babies on podcasts. That's what I... <laughs> you know what? That's you know what, what I learned in college. I learned about the rape of Mexican ancient cultures. And it was a really interesting class actually. <laughs> Yeah, but it was really interesting. I, you know, you just don't think about stuff like that if you're not from the culture. You don't I know the stories. <sighs> either way, either way, there's <laughs> lots of options and there's lots of cultures and there's like way more than you. There's way more foods than you think in any one type of food. And I've it's taken me this long to learn that, and it's you know, I but you know some people never get to learn that, so that's. I'm going to give myself credit for Google. You're going to give yourself credit for Google? Did you invent Google? No, I just Googled information. You learned how to Google. Yes. I, give, I Googled information I learned. <laughs> you know. Um, but did you learn the right things? Oh, probably not. Probably not. There's probably better things to learn, but these are the things that make us happy. <laughs> 
Uh, so before we get too far off topic, and it's already 15 minutes in, and here we are. So, uh, yeah, this time we're going to do things a tiny bit differently because... What are we going to do? Yeah, we just were, like, off the rails last time. Oh, as opposed to the structured written essay that we have for today. Yes. As we're talking about the wonderful, flavorful worlds of Spanish, Mexican, Cuban, Chinese cuisines. And we're going to talk about Beijman's delight. Yes. I promise we'll talk about, like, other culture food. It's just these are the ones that we've made kind of recently that came to my mind. Representation of Beijing's delight that is. We made blackened tilapia with mango salsa tonight, so I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about meatloaf. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Um, meatloaf. Yes. Meatloaf. The singer or the food or the both? Both. Both? Okay. Definitely both. This podcast Uh, is going to get bad out of hell if we. uh, That's not. That's Ozzy Osbourne, isn't it? No. How the hell is Meatloaf? I'm pretty sure. Google that shit. You said you were responsible for Google. Google it. No, no. Oh we're going to continue God. on with the show while Nick looks that shit up because I feel like that is absolutely incorrect and that's Ozzy Osbourne. No, it's not Ozzy Osbourne. Isn't it? Or his band. Bat Out of Hell, album by Meatloaf. All right, okay. Debuted in 1977. I, it was just the bat-biting head thing. That's what I was doing, I think, in my brain. I thought it was awesome. It was developed for a musical Neverland, a futuristic rock version of Peter Pan. <laughs> Boom! Told you so. That's fucking weird. Dude, the whole guy, the guy was weird. <laughs> he used to, um, uh, what, what's his, the famous Meatloaf song? The- Dashboard moonlight by the dashboard light or something no the the one that people always get wrong with the lyrics um oh i do anything for love yeah he used to at not the height of his I think that is that career song. no it's not uh not at the height of his musical career but like towards the just past he used to go up on stage with a fucking chalkboard with the lyrics written on there and he would point to them live in concert because he got so annoyed at people saying the lyrics wrong. So when he was doing concerts, he would just have everything written out for people. So does they any... would... Yeah, people would get the lyrics wrong. Does anybody know the words to I Do Anything For Love uh, aside from I Do Anything For Love, but I won't do that? Because that's the only words that anyone knows. Because well... the rest of it's just... And it's just like, who knows? Like, it's Billy Joel... We didn't start the fire, but not as good. We just ruined my fun point. Sorry. That's okay. I was done talking about me, though. I wanted to talk about me, though, instead. Yeah, let's talk about the structure of this show. Let's talk about me, though. Which I have planned out. No. Um, yeah. So, just to introduce everybody to the concepts of this. 19 and a half minutes in. Yeah, in case you're Is that just... going to become one of our things where we just reference the time signatures where we think we should have been talking about something sooner? I don't know, maybe. Okay. Um, show structure. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a recipe that we either liked, hated, or were indifferent about, or, you know, either way we used a recipe that we found online that we 
liked enough to try making it. Um, and we're going to tell you what we think about it. So um, the structure of the show in general, we're going to talk about our first impressions based on looking at the recipe, like why we decided to make the recipe, things that we were worried about with it, what was our experience shopping for the ingredients, so, um, you know, just how easy was it to find the ingredients, how expensive were they, things like that. Things that people that have to, like, pay money for groceries and the do jobs people need to know. have to do. Yeah. <laughs> they never talk about that shit on those, like, on any cooking show that's like a real, they're like, oh, yeah, just, you know, just chicken bones, just get them from your butcher. They just have them. They're free. Like, fuck you. No, they don't. What, Maybe bones? they did ten years ago. What bones? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's they the, charge like money for those now. It's that's not. That's the biggest lie that's still perpetrated. It's not free. I mean, unless you have like a super chill local butcher. Which who has a super chill local butcher? Because if they're around me, I would like to go to them. I haven't found a super chill local butcher. No. So far, they're all really expensive and a total rip off. Well, I mean, they're delicious, but. But it's a like a billion dollars for a tiny steak. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. Got a family to feed. Family of two and three cats. Yeah, they don't and they eat get steak. none of our food. Yeah. Except for fries. Yes, they do get fries. Astra's a fry bandit. Total fry bandits. She, <laughs> she is a total fry bandit. Um, okay, so anyway, so sh- first impressions, shopping. Cooking the food, how easy is it to cook, you know, following the recipe, what kind of things did we change, and what things did we keep the same. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the tasting, which is usually going to include some sort of alcohol that we paired with the food. It might be like Hawaiian punch if I was just being an idiot that night, but I'll tell you if it was. And I'll tell you if it tasted good with it. And then uh, the the last category is rating. So we're gonna rate these everything that we were talking about based on our show rating system, which is which is ease of use, uh-huh. taste satisfaction. Okay. So not only how good does it taste, but how close does it get to the taste that you wanted based on the recipe that you read. Okay. All right. Um, cost effectiveness Ooh. because Ooh. Very, bones very cost important. money. And, <laughs> and, and I don't know uh, how broke you are. Yeah, I mean, even if you're not broke, don't spend money on stupid shit. Oh, but sometimes it's fun. Because that's how you get broke. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, okay, so we cost effectiveness, and then we got the what the fuck factor, which is the thing about the recipe that made us go, made us turn our heads, attracted oh? us to... Whatever the whatever the recipe was, because maybe it had a unique ingredient that I haven't seen before for clam chowder, or maybe, um, you know, something of that nature that that made us stop and look at this. So some of these, I mean, some of these are gonna be. This is meatloaf, so you know what? There's there's some surprises ahead. Yeah. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Uh, <laughs> and the last part of the rating system is kind of part of cost effectiveness and it's going to be does it left over can you save this can you reheat it in a way that it'll be edible and good later which is not a (laughs) oh yeah meatloaf oh yes all day all day but some things you can't and that's okay because some things you just can't like chicken wings a great example of something that does not reheat it's amazing when you first eat it but you have to eat it all 
because it's not going to reheat very well. Unless somebody knows a really good technique that I don't, you know, other than just baking or something. But I haven't been able to reheat, like, bone-in chicken ever, really, in a way that's appealing to eat. You know, as much as the first time, or even close. So, it doesn't have to left over. But if it does, that's nice, because then you can eat it for lunches, and you don't have to plan lunch. So that's our structure. We just oh, did a quick rundown God. for you. So, structure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's dive in to the recipe. We uh, we were making a binging with Babish, or basics with Babish recipe, actually. Oh, let's talk about the difference between that right away. Because if you go to his website, and you search for his recipe under recipes in basics for Babish, you'll get this meatloaf recipe. But if you search for meatloaf under binging with Babish, you get a completely different, non-related meatloaf sandwich recipe. And uh, it's really annoying. It's two different shows. You've got binging with Babish, with binging with Babish, which is car- like TV shows that feature some kind of food, and then he remakes the food. Yeah, and then he remakes the food. Basics with Babish is awesome because it's just things like making meatloaf or butchering or making uh, pan sauces with chicken, beef, and pork. Just kind of cool things that you can use with a lot of different, you know, meats. Like techniques that you can use for a lot of different things that are kind of basic to like a chefy person, I would say. Yeah, his basics is a very broad definition. That being said... The, the earlier episodes, those were very basic. He did have to expand a little bit, though. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, but it's recipes you can, like, you can really take it and run with it. It's Somehow the... he waited, like, 70 episodes before he decided to do meatloaf. That's a lot. That's a lot. I guess he really doesn't like meatloaf. I guess. Is but then really... he made a delicious one for Yeah, it's a really basic... It is not a basic meatloaf. Well, well not the one we followed. No, least. but meatloaf is a basic food, I would say. Yes. It can be. Um, this one, <laughs> this one, we, we uh, if you look this up, we used the advanced meatloaf method. Well, we used a combination. No. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. So we'll, We more or less use the advanced meatloaf method. I'll give you that. Yeah, so we'll put a link in the description of the podcast, but just know that you got to look at the advanced one. You could do the basic one if you want, but we're going to be talking about the advanced one because it just had so many what-the-fuck factors or things that made me go, that's not my mom's meatloaf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So those really things... Really describe this to people and not make them go, what? Which is fun. Yeah, it's lots of lots of cool things in this. Um, so you've got all ground meats, right? You got beef, pork, which a lot of recipes will do beef and pork. This recipe also has an equal portion of lamb, so it's a third beef, a third pork, and a third ground lamb, which is really cool. I mean, if you like lamb, it's got this gamey, earthy. Earthy is the best word I can think of. Yeah. Um, it's a lean meat that has a deep earth flavor that's going to really elevate whatever you're trying to do. Um, so it's it's just like this other third component that really boosts the flavor profile of this whole thing and makes it 
now, it makes it. <laughs> I would have originally, we made this twice. We made it once without the lamb, and then we made it with the lamb. Um, it's way better with the lamb. I, I like it with the lamb, but if you had somebody that was like diehard, I won't eat lamb, you could still follow the rest of this recipe. Change absolutely nothing about the proportions, because I didn't. When we made it without the lamb. It's spec for three pounds of meat. I made it originally with two. Kept all the other things the same. Delicious. Added a third pound of meat. Also delicious. So it's, it's great on that front. If you're going to leave out the lamb, don't replace it with anything, I think. Just accept a smaller meatloaf. What are you going to replace it with? More like pork iguana? and ground beef. Oh. Just an <laughs> iguana. Not the logical change of just adding half a pound of pork and half a pound of beef to make up for the missing one pound, definitely go straight for the iguana. I put goat in that shit. No, I mean, yeah, it's good with beef and pork. Like, meatloaf, or meatballs are good with beef and pork if you really have people that can't do veal. But, like, if you if you've had a meatball with beef and pork, and then you have another meatball with veal and pork, you're like, why would anybody ever not use veal? That's a great way to describe adding the lamb. Because it's so much better. And I know they're baby cows and it's sad, and I've seen baby cows, and I try not to think about it, because it just tastes really good. I really like eating meat. I'm sorry about it. But I'm not really... I'm not sorry enough to, like, change my life, so sorry. Don't be, uh, don't be a vegan <laughs> listen to this show, because... Uh, I'm going to let you know right now, the ratio of meat to vegan recipes is going to be maybe one. We're really interested in grilling. We just got a smoker. Grilling, smoking, meat is like, it's the whole thing. It's where all the flavors at. But, you know, you do whatever you want. I like beef, pork, and lamb in my meatloaf. It just adds so much depth. And speaking of depth, you get... A lot of, like a ton of just earthy, like super earthy umami flavor from the porcini mushrooms. So they've got dried porcini mushrooms in this recipe, which I is mean, great. That's the second what the fuck. Cause, yeah. Because I, mean, I would have thought one. of Pork, that. Pork's pretty common, I think, in meatloaf if you're not doing just regular ground beef that you got from the store. But the mushrooms, really adding those uh, dried porcini mushrooms... Uh, man, that really changed that flavor. And I don't be a baby. You don't taste the mushrooms. You like, do, you but do, in but the best not, way. Yeah, it's not in like we know we know too many people that are big old babies. You know who you are, and I know you're listening. Uh, that are big old babies about eating mushrooms, although they will eat it when it is in things and blitz beyond all recognition. Yeah, and this is, we're talking about rehydrating and water, these porcini mushrooms, which... Water? Oh, what are you, a commoner? I do mine in chicken stock and buttermilk, just like the rest of the Okay, all right, chicken stock and buttermilk, well, they're luxurious-ass mushrooms. <laughs> but, yeah, it gives you this, but you grind them up into, like, unrecognizable bits and mix them with buttermilk and bread. Like, like breadcrumbs, you know? So it's it's just this crazy umami depth flavor. It's insane how much umami you get from this recipe. And a lot of that has to do with fish sauce also, which fish sauce is in this because 
Because of course it of is. Of course it is. Worcestershire sauce is fish sauce. Just oh. FYI. <laughs> don't but, explain that to the old people. They'll lose their mind. Old people don't listen to podcasts. Um, and if you're listening and you think you're old, you're not old. You're young at heart because you like as, fish sauce. You're only as old as the podcast you listen to. Right. Uh. So, yeah, <laughs> buttermilk, fish sauce, soy sauce. Soy sauce shows up in a lot of things I never thought you'd put soy sauce in. Like, it's just a salt bomb. Like, it's that's it. It's great, but, like, growing up, tell, tell me if I'm wrong, growing up, soy sauce exclusively with rice like white rice or a fried rice um so growing up soy sauce was only something you used with asian food like teriyaki or something it wasn't something you used with other food for me uh, to watch so many of these videos and i can just add some soy sauce Mm -hmm. yeah it's great soy sauce and ketchup is one of those other ones that like a lot of times you personally (laughs) turned your nose up the Uh idea of putting ketchup in the recipe yeah and then it was perfect yep because I don't like nasty ketchup rice that you get from Supermax. It tastes like ketchup. It's stupid. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. But but lots of Mexican recipes. Um, we'll use ketchup as like part of the sauce. So and Asian recipes too. So it doesn't really, the ketchupiness of ketchup doesn't sing through. As, as most of them will say, it's to get that vinegar and to get that sugar and to get that tomato why not ketchup? Yeah. Perfect proportion. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like you can either add three different ingredients or you can add ketchup because we already know you have ketchup, you fat fucking white bitch. Why you gotta be white? Why you gotta be racing <laughs> to it? I'm, I'm speaking to myself. Yes, person, I know. My personal self. I know. I have ketchup because I need McDonald's at least once a week for my drunk ass or you whatever. wish. We don't have McDonald's every week. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's anymore. the past. That's Trashly from the past. Um, what, like two months ago? Uh, yeah, like <laughs> last week when I drank too much or whatever, you know? <laughs> it comes and it goes. Uh, the other parts of this recipe <laughs> that are great. Um, the, the Worcestershire Shire sauce? Well, yeah, there's well, there's that, but because there's fish sauce and then there's Worcestershire sauce. It's like Gotta all it's all the salty sauces you can ever put in anything. All the salty sauce. It's all the salty sauce, and then you combine all that stuff with sautéed mirepoix, which is French crap, but it's it's much mush- uh, French crap. Mushrooms, not mushrooms. <laughs> it's onions, carrots, and celery. There you and go. you just you kind of grind those up or nope. like like with a grater. Uh, grate them up yeah, really kinda. thin so it's not even minced it's like grated or shredded and then you Sauté cook them those bad boys. because it's... as we learned from another guy on guys ranch kitchen guys ranch which uh, is a weird you know guy fear is annoying but he's less annoying the more you watch him it what seems learn about guy? paradoxical but it's true but anyway he's got this guy on that show that was talking he's actually the guy on the show is like more annoying than guy fairy but which one <laughs> the the one young guy with the glasses oh the one that's like super food science guy yeah he's, yeah, he's he the one that looks like there's always shit under his nose because he's so yes, stuck up yes that one whatever his name that is. guy but he makes never really listen to the podcast no he makes really yummy things <laughs> So I'm going to forgive him, and I'm going to make his food probably. But but as he was telling us in that show, 
if you apparently if you combine like a lot of meatloaf recipes will tell you to put the mirepoix those the vegetables in just cold with the meat oh gross which is something you don't want to do because Why would you do that? well because it, it's not it doesn't work no why, <laughs> why would you put raw vegetables well let's meatloaf? go back to horse hooves and jello molds and that's not where this recipe has its origin. Isn't it? No. It has its origin in stretching are out you, unlimited... Are you trying to tell me that meatloaf doesn't exist in gelatin form? It absolutely does. Well, but that's going to be the 50s. That's what I'm talking about. Well, but this recipe is from the Depression. Yeah, I'm talking about the 50s. The Depression was in no, the I know 30s, the th darling. <laughs> yes, I am aware. Oh, but... darling. Ooh, uh, no, that, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm Are you talking about the depression that was food culture in the U.S. in the 50s? Yes, that. Well, but that's not the depression. It's just everyone who had to eat's depression. It's the forgotten generation or the silent generation. Anyway, you slice your meatloaf. Don't put cold vegetables in it because it doesn't work. And I don't have a better explanation for why than that at the moment. Well, it's because they're going in raw, so they're not going to cook all the way through. Yes, that's why. They act as ice cubes. The way that he was describing it is they act as little ice cubes uh, within the meat when it's trying to cook. So you get these pockets that don't cook correctly. Yeah, and then you get weird crunchy celery. Well, <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, I hate celery personally, however... Cooked well, it has its place. It is in parts of flavor that is pleasant. Mm -hmm. But raw celery is that can go straight to hell. I never used to like celery until I was older, and now I actually love celery. I only but... love it cooked and mixed into everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you you don't even notice it in this. It's just like part of the flavor I, th I would say I noticed the sweetness from the carrot and the onion yeah. the most and the for some reason the carrot and the lamb just have this really nice play because the carrot's really sweet and the lamb has like a sweetness to the meat and it's it just really adds up like I don't remember where I heard this but I I want to say that I was watching something with a famous chef like not a not a modern famous like an older famous chef and they were saying the the vegetables that pair well with the meat are the vegetables that the meat would be eating were it still alive hmm. lamb carrots do lambs eat carrots sure why not they do in this <laughs> example because i want them to um, well, they probably eat, like, sweet grass, or grass that is sweet. I would not think that they would eat carrots, but I don't know. I don't know. I just know that lamb is, it has a gamey sweetness to it that really works with carrots. I mean, it works with so many things. It's just a, it's a powerhouse flavor that you can do so much with, like, in terms of herbs and spices. And I think that's why it lends itself so well to Mediterranean cooking, because you can, just, you can blow it up with citrus and it still has its own taste according to raisingsheep.net okay. you can 
feed carrots to lamb. Yeah, you can feed it's, it's, animals to lamb. It's, <laughs> but it's supposed to be like a dessert. It's a treat. It's a treat. Yeah, that makes sense because it's sugar. It's pure sugar. And remember when your parents would put rice on the table? Er, rice. Rice. Oh, your parents would put rice on the table and go, here's dessert, kids. Just eat your rice because there's kids in China that don't get enough rice. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That argument. I don't think that argument's worked since they first invented it, that there were kids somewhere that wanted the food you didn't want. Because the best response is always mail well, it to send them. Send it to them. I don't want it. I'm a spoiled little brat, and I don't care, and I don't want to eat this. <laughs> but my point was going to be, remember when your parents made you put carrots out on the table, and they were like, eat the carrots, they're good for you. And you're like, as a kid, you're like, yeah, totally, it's a vegetable. And then as an adult, you're like, oh, I kind of like carrots now. And then it's like, oh, well, that's not the one you're supposed to eat. That's not the one that has all the vitamins. You're supposed to eat the shitty green purple ones that are bitter and have the most vitamins. Oh, oh, but don't cook them because then they're gone. Like, I, I luckily I've started to like raw vegetables a lot as an older person, but as an older, as an elderly thirty-year-old, I've started to enjoy wow. fibrous vegetables. But, but you know, remember when like if you ate a carrot or peas, that was healthy, and then you found out it just totally is a lie and it's sugar trash and. I don't know. I, I like to think of it as if I'm eating these sugar peas or sugar carrots, I'm not eating another side that's worse, like potatoes or or pasta or something. It's like it's replacing something that's worse in my stomach in terms of fullness. You and can think that, but I still go get the pasta. Well, yeah. But either, I like, I mean, you're winning on one level because you're eating something that's sort of something you might have been able to eat when dinosaurs roamed the earth. I don't know. <laughs> what? what? I'm, I'm not paleo, but I think that's what they believe. <laughs> no. No. Close, but no. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Christians. Uh, dinosaurs existed at the same time as people. But I meant paleo. No. Because no. paleo people eat what you, early man would have eaten. There you go. So that's what I meant. Got around to it eventually. Question. Would early man have eaten this meatloaf? Uh, probably not. No, because they weren't creative enough to smash delicious meat into a crappy piece of bread. Like, yeah, it's, it's this weirdest concept, but it totally works even though you don't have to make, you know, bread out of meat. You can make... Something delicious out of kind of okay meat that's, you know, ground up leftovers that the butcher had that you can afford to buy today, you know? So, let's do it. <laughs> now, is your meatloaf, does it have a sauce? Yes, yes. In addition to the mirepoix, the lamb, and uh, the herbs, which are basil and parsley, which... The basil is just magic in there. It's really, really good. Magic. I mean, everything in this recipe is so well thought out. I just can't compliment it enough because it's all like, you can taste a lot of the elements when you eat it, and it all kind of plays off of each other nicely. Um, 
and there is a sauce. There's a glaze sauce, because of course there is, and it is a nice little chup chup sauce. Little chup chup. Little chup chup. Is that? Oh, do you mean ketchup? Little ketchup sauce. You know, just like it's kind of actually just like your mom used to make, but. If your mom ever made this sauce, then you need to go give her another hug because she's a chef. No, it's, I mean, it's kind of standard stuff. It's like, you know. It's ketchup, tomato paste, brown sugar, honey, apple cider vinegar. Yeah, so um, your mom might have made that. Mm, maybe yours. Well, it's, she probably did because her sauce was delicious, but, <laughs> but it's really good. My mom it's... went classic ketchup straight from the bottle. Well, at the end of... over the top. Well... At the end of the day, it's a ketchup sauce. It tastes great on meatloaf. Yes. And it's yes, awesome. It does. All right. What? So. What? I can't <laughs> talk about ketchup sauce more? Well, we're going to talk about it more when we talk about glazing and the technique. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I skipped ahead. That's the next thing I'm going to talk about. Oh, our, technique. Yes, our first impressions of the recipe. Okay. Uh, we've talked a lot about this already, actually. Uh -huh. We were really impressed with the, like, the, I mean, I was really impressed by the mushrooms, um, the sautéing the vegetables. I hadn't really heard that before. The lamb being included, herbs like basil, um, and just, like, these ingredients that I was like, wow, that sounds like a real upscale meatloaf. Like, I'd... That deserves to be on my place. I'd mm. pay twenty dollars for that meatloaf. I wouldn't because I can make it, but you I wouldn't be I mad mean. that I paid that for it because it's really good. If you got that meatloaf from a <laughs> restaurant, you'd be really happy. I sure would. I would never order meatloaf from a restaurant unless no. it was like a. But to be fair, like hipster restaurants all over the place are doing that. Like they're like, oh, mac and cheese, meatloaf, like all these comfort foods that you really want just kind of revamping them with something else in it like oh this is meatloaf but it has habaneros and avocados in it and you're like ah, i'm gonna try that because that sounds great True. <laughs> and sometimes it's terrible and sometimes it's great um you know so we were really impressed by the recipes um i keep saying the word earthy and umami because i just kept thinking like this is gonna be so rich and earthy flavored like there's so much depth to this that's going to be nice against the ketchup like the lightness of like the vinegar ketchup kind of glaze on it um and then the other thing that we thought sounded really interesting that i mean we haven't really heard of it before but it makes a lot of sense when you think about it um for the way that they shape the loaf pan uh usually right for a traditional meatloaf you're gonna put your meat in a like bread loaf pan and oh, yeah. put it in the oven and cook it. It's just swimming in fat. Yeah, and it kind of swims in its own fat, which, you know, that's not a terrible thing, but in this case, it doesn't help the meat stay together very well. It kind of can break up in there because there's a lot of liquid going on. And also, if you do it that way, you can only glaze the top, the very top. Yeah. So this technique. Oh, the classic <laughs> meatloaf that we all, that I grew up on. Yeah, me too. No, I, this technique was to put your meat in the loaf pan, shape it like that because pack it in real tight. Because that's the that's a really easy way to make that little loaf shape that you're looking for. So put it in the loaf pan and then like basically flip it over and schlock it down on your schlock <laughs> it down on your pan, uh, like a you know sheet tray, cookie tray, thing like that and cook it like that so then you have three sides exposed and all the fat 
and grease kind of runs out and onto the pan. You think it would dry it out, but all that other crap that you put in there that's so delicious, it really helps to keep it from becoming just this dried up block, plus the glaze. Yeah, I mean, the glaze being on three sides, it really locks in the moisture, and then everything in it is so moist already. Uh, it holds together really well. Like, it's, you know, it's it's a real solid mass. It doesn't crack. Um, Actually, it can crack if you don't. If you're like me and you don't set your oven rack at the right location. Oh, well, don't broil your fucking meatloaf. I didn't broil it. I just didn't. <laughs> I put it too low. So we. So, oh, okay. like, the, the recipe, recipe said, like, cooks for 45 minutes, and I think we ended up doing it for almost an hour and a half because <laughs> I was, like, somehow one rung too low. And so it, like, slowly cooked. Like, the outside edge pieces were really dry and crumbly. Nothing some ketchup sauce can't fix. Oh, yeah. But That's the fair. inside was deliciously still moist because it was almost raw. Yeah. <laughs> Which nothing a microwave can't fix on leftovers. Yep. But it it yeah it can be crumbly if done if not packed tight enough. That was the other issue. Well, even so, but that's to me even when we fucked it up, it still held oh, well, together. Yeah, it still held together. And was delicious and was more like it's Moist. it's hard to it's so kind of hearty and like hard to fuck up a little bit, which is nice about this recipe. I, I, it's it's super solid and it's just it's not dry at all because there's mostly meat like the the amount of bread in this is so little oh I mean you'd barely register that there was bread there's enough there's enough bread crumb in it to I guess technically call it a meatloaf yeah but <laughs> yeah meatloaf I feel like it was originally like just bread that had some meat in it which that sounds awful, and if it that's was, what you used to eat, then I'm sorry about that. But it was most commonly like a, a 60-40 to a half and half ratio oh, at the worst of times. Yes, that's that's eating to live, not living to eat. <laughs> We're living to eat. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so we yeah, mind blown with this technique. Great, right? turn it over cook it and then and glaze base. the sides as you're cooking and, and you get all this glaze and the the moisture just totally stays in even though the fat rolls out it's like a pond of fat <laughs> soup burns up on your sheet tray Under Put this down thing. Paper, please. <laughs> yeah it's like wow and you, you're looking at it going there is a pond under here there's no way this still has any flavor or like liquidity but it totally does totally does so it's it totally works it's super smart um so yeah I mean uh, this recipe just was full of surprises full of little like tips and tricks <laughs> little tasty tips um <clears throat> yeah uh, shopping is boring, so I'm gonna breeze through that. Um, it's well, it's what are you gonna say about it? Honestly, it's if you're making a meatloaf and you want like a cheap meatloaf, this is not a cheap meatloaf because you've got to get the mushrooms and you've got to get the lamb. Lamb is not cheap, at least where we live I mean, right now. Where we live, yeah. It's not cheap. Uh, it's totally worth it. 
Like, if you wanted to, especially because Meatloaf makes a whole meal. Like, if you wanted to have people over. Oh, you could feed, especially with sides, yeah. 10 people, probably. You could feed, a, like, a Everybody bunch of people. Everybody gets one slice, and it's a hearty slice. It's a hearty Meatloaf. So, so pair it with some potatoes, and then just take a nap on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you wanted to... You could do like a dinner out of this thing. It's so good, and what, it's. Are you implying that we eat this for lunch? Well, no. I mean, you could do like a hosted dinner. Oh. You could fancy it up. So fun. Because it deserves to be fancied. So fun. Uh, you know. So if you wanted to cut back, like you could skip the mushrooms. You could skip no, the no, lamb. No, no, no. You can't. The only thing you can skip on that is the lamb. The lamb is the only optional of. I think you all can. All these ingredients. I think you, you can skip the mushrooms. the mushrooms. The mushrooms are really good. No, no, no. The mu- you need them. You need them. Well, here's the thing with the mushrooms. The mushrooms are dried, so you don't have to buy them fresh. You can buy a big bag of them on, like, Amazon mm-hmm. and keep them in your pantry forever you do and use them for multiple recipes. You do use four ounces of these things, I think it was, which, when you're talking about dried mushrooms, turns out to be a lot. It's a lot, yeah. But, I mean, the flavor in and of itself is worth the extra little cost. Yeah. Especially, especially if you're going to do it for people. Yeah. I, I guess I'm saying if you want to be, like, a cheapo, you know, meatloaf, it, it would probably still lamb. be pretty good. Don't skip the mushrooms. The mushrooms. Shell out, out for the mushrooms. <laughs> the mushrooms really do add a lot to it. Because it's, it's a flavor that penetrates throughout in the best way possible. Yeah, so it's a pricey meat. It's a pricey meatloaf, but it's not a pricey it, dinner. It is a pricey meatloaf. It's not a pricey dinner, and especially even if you're making it for two people, you can eat that for like, like three days. Three days, like dinner, and then two <laughs> to three days, depending on how fat you get at lunch. Yeah, I mean it's you can because it you can just reheat it over and over, and it's fine. It doesn't. Well, now we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, so. Bang for your buck. I, I mean, it. I, I would say it does have the bang for your buck. It's just more than you're going to want to spend for a meatloaf, but it's really worth it. I mean, the first time, at least, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt your wallet if you're, if you're budgeting. But... Yeah. Yeah. Worth it. <laughs> worth it. Uh, one, of these, one of these times we're going to talk about a recipe that sucks. Like, we'll get there. But Will we though? I don't know. We're not there yet. These recipes are really good. Um, but I mean, if we, you know, if we get some viewers and people can tell us what they like, don't like, what, you know, what would be helpful to hear and what wouldn't, because I don't know if we can just be positive the whole time and that's helpful because we tell you what we like, don't about the good ones. Well, it's hard to do bad recipes because you're so you have such a discerning mental palate and kind of. Poo-poo the poopy ones before we even try them. Well, no. There's been several that we've tried to make that we've either changed to the point where they're unrecognizable or, you know, something like that. We just did it once and then, then no, never again. Yeah, but there's lots that we modified. Oh, zoodles. Zoodles. Uh, I don't even want to talk about zucchini noodles. I, people swear that they, you can make noodles out of zucchini and they're noodles, and it's not true. It's a lie. It doesn't even. It's not a noodle substitute, and it's not doesn't taste good. 
in any way, shape, or form. It's awful. It's we tried it a lot. Either eat zucchini or not at all. Yeah. Either eat noodles or not at all. Just like cut up zucchini and make it. It'll be better. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> we did try really hard. Speaking of zucchini, though, uh, we did make zucchini bread with the loaf pan that we that we had. That we made meatloaf. Right? That we made meatloaf in. So like, uh -oh. there's another reason to have a loaf pan. You can make zucchini bread. Are we gonna talk about zucchini bread sometime? I don't know. I want the zucchini strawberry bread. It sounds weird and gross, but if you like pumpkin bread, zucchini is just another squash. Um, I think of zucchini bread as like an every season pumpkin bread. Because pumpkin bread, it's like you kind of can it's only... very much fall. Yeah, it's a fall, winter kind of thing. It's when you take out your Uggs, get your light sweaters, yeah. tap into your basic bitch. Get out your candles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much it's um yeah. So zucchini bread like you can make it in spring, you can mix it with a lot of things. Like we we made zucchini strawberry bread, which is my favorite. It's so good with the tartness of the strawberry and the zucchini just doesn't like it doesn't have a strong flavor. It's just a nice kind of soft. It is also moist. Moist base for something and you know like it it um it browns really well. So if you do like zucchini and nuts, like zucchini and walnuts is really nice. Um, Ooh, I have a question. Should you eat this meatloaf in the summertime? When the living's easy? <laughs> you can eat whatever you want. I mean, it's a heavy, this is a heavy thing. Uh, meatloaf, I so would say. Should I have this in hopes of developing my uh, swimsuit body? Or oh, is it's this not more of a winter body. It's not really good for you. I mean, it's not terrible for you, but you know, it's it's meatloaf. It's meatloaf. It's a bunch of sugar and meat and bread. Yeah. I uh, I don't. You can eat it whenever you want. Summer, it's a little heavy for summer. It's more yeah. of a wintry. It's definitely a wintry food. Thing. I would say. And the worst part is, I always think about it in the summertime. Yeah, it's like stroganoff. I always think I want to make stroganoff in the middle of the summer, and then I'm like, I don't want to eat that because it's gonna make me sad and hot. <laughs> you know, like when you're eating hot food and it's hot, and you're just like, why did I make such terrible decisions? Yeah, <laughs> milk was a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh my gosh. Oh uh, my gosh. Okay, so we were doing shopping. No, we, we were on cooking. We're on cooking. Talking when, about cooking. When the fuck did we get the cooking? When did we get ice cream? When the fuck did we get ice cream? We, uh, <laughs> yeah. The technique was easy. The loaf pan's awesome. If you don't have a loaf pan, get a loaf pan. Make some bread. It's great. Fruit bread is like the easiest bread to make. It's ah, like. The beginner's bread. It's so easy and it's, it's very forgiving. delicious. It's crazy. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and then you know, um, flipping the dang thing over on the pan and glazing. It's actually really easy. Yeah, and glazing the sides is super straightforward. And glazing the sides is nice because you can kind of take it out every once in a while, check on it, and like brush it, make it look all nice. It's like making a cake, but it's meat. It's like <laughs> making a meat cake. And it's delightful. So delightful. Um, but, I mean, we, we were just talking about we kind of fucked it up and did, like, 
you know, the wrong, it was cooking at the wrong temperature, essentially, and we ended up having to cook it way too long, and it didn't even matter. It, it was still matter. delicious. It was <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's hard to mess it up, and you when you're... You really impress your mother-in-law with this one, and, like, <laughs> your mother-in-law likes meatloaf. Yeah, you can impress you can impress and a lot of people with this if they like meatloaf. Or, so forgiving. Or if they're willing to like give meatloaf another try, because it's not normal meatloaf. It's not normal meatloaf. It's bad out of hell meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna move on to tasting the cooking. You gonna move is, on to tasting? It was just such an easy thing to do. Like it's easy to taste to cook like there's ah. not that even that much to say about the cooking it was no. super easy block out of pan put in oven uh yeah yeah i mean so tasting it it we already talked about it, it's like crazy juicy uh but it also holds its form really well surprisingly even though it's not sitting in a pan it just like it's like schlock like it schlocks together and it doesn't <laughs> should you explain this schlock expression or oh, do maybe. Think, do you think people just understand? Is everybody familiar with uh, cranberry, like canned cranberry ocean sauce spray, from cranberry sauce in a your can? Thanksgiving dinner. You just like schlock it out and like slice it in circles. Because it's, it's the one that looks like the can, so it has the built-in <laughs> ridges. Yeah. And you turn it upside down, and it goes. Schlock. It makes a schlock, schlock sound when it comes out. Yeah. So that's schlocking, schlocking meat, schlocking. Well, look, I just, I didn't want any more fucking Brownman's delight yeah, issues. Well, so, at least know, this one's not We got to explain schlock <laughs> for your family references. I don't know if that comes from Iowa or not. Mm, mm. I don't know. Cranberry um, schlock. It holds the shape schlock. very, very nicely, even though it's like made of meat fat um the lamb is obvious the lamb and the mushrooms are just like crazy good um something we did note on the portini mushrooms you you gotta uh, be careful that they don't clump too much because they they kind of make little balls inside the meat depending on how you soak them so you just kind of need to make sure that they're really kneading out those pockets because... Is this where I can talk about the panar? The panad? Panad. Sorry. The panad. The panad, as Babish refers to it in his video, which is where you mix the mushroom, the blended up porcini mushroom breadcrumb mixture in with the liquids. In the, in the written recipe, it says to just mix and set aside for use when ready. That's the written recipe. In the video recipe, he mixes it and then instantly puts in all the mirepoix that has been cooled and then mixes it all into the meat. So the clumping issues not a thing in his video. If you follow his written recipe exclusively, you're gonna fuck it up. <laughs> there's no, there's no getting around it. It overhydrates and it becomes a lumpy, shitty mess. Mm, yeah, I mean, the texture of it when you put it in, it it's matters. Weird. But if it's you, weird, and I don't like it. If you do have textural issues with it, know that you can work the crap out of the meatloaf mix because it's meatloaf. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Just like don't you... overdo the panar. 
the panade. Oh, don't over-soak the panade. Yeah. Don't over-soak the mushrooms. Yeah. Or you'll get a gummy panade. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I said. Uh, we already talked about the chup-chup glaze, but ketchup chup is chup. the best thing you can put on meatloaf. We just, basically the glaze is just like enhanced fucking ketchup. And that's all you need in life and on your meatloaf. I don't know. I don't, like, if somebody made, like, a mustard sauce to put on meatloaf, I think I would be up, I think I would be upset. Because you need the sweetness from the chup-chup sauce. And I love and mustard. And the honey stuff. And <laughs> to really cut through the thick, rich, meaty, meat, meat, meat. Need that sweet, sweet, sweet with the meat, meat, meat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I would be mad about mustard. I'm never mad about mustard. I mean, you could, like, if you may, if you have a sauce that has ketchup and mustard in it, cool, okay, but... Ah. Uh, right. <laughs> that's mayonnaise ketchup. Yeah, that's, uh... That's a whole different beast. Oh, that's that crap that Heinz has been putting out. <laughs> the crunch and... <laughs> All the swirls. Oh, my God. That's... Honey sriracha premix. That's the laziest bullshit. And they, they call it like a saucy sauce. I'm like, okay, uh, clearly your market is stoners. And like, even as a stoner, I could put mayonnaise and ketchup together and put it on something. Like, Why do you think it's that hard? <laughs> it's not that hard. It's like when they put the... I mean, it's not quite as egregious because at least like, you know, cranch or like ketchup mayo, whatever that's called, fry sauce, I guess. Like, that tastes good and isn't, like, texturally terrible, but it reminds me of when they put the, when Smuckers did the mix crap where they did the peanut butter and jelly and the same Goobers. Thing. It was called Goobers. Like, is there any better way to advertise how low quality all of your products are at one time? Than putting both ketchup Putting both jelly and peanut butter into one jar. Yeah, and like making them float on top. Like, what in actual fuck? I don't even... As a kid, I was like was disgusted. Like the, it was the chocolate vanilla swirl of peanut butter and jelly because you were too lazy to use two separate jars. I can't even fathom that level of laziness. Hey, I never even bought that. Not even <laughs> once. <laughs> And let me tell you about the laziness factor here. Well, you're the PB&J king. Love it. All the time. Every day for lunch. PB&J every day. I don't, I don't understand how it's you... It's delicious. I don't understand how you don't shoot yourself in the face eating the same sandwich every day. Like, ugh. Oh, delicious. Because <laughs> it's sugar. It's just a bunch of sugar. <clears throat> Have I you not know. figured it out yet? You take sugary peanut butter and sugary jelly and slap it onto sugary white bread. It was just sugar. I mean, I don't... Even if it's, like, something I love, like, I can't eat it every single day or I'll oh, die. Man. Oh, man. It's just so easy. I, I've tried. Like, I make egg salad and Nick eats none of it. So gross. And I always make way too much... No, it's not gross. So you like my egg salad. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I always make way too much of it, so I'm like, I gotta eat this. And I eat it for, like, a few days in a row at least, you know, because I love it. I'm like... But not that much. 
No. <laughs> After like a couple days, I'm like, I never want to have egg salad again. Because I don't want to taste this taste ever. Like, I don't know. I wish that I was boring enough to eat the same thing because it sounds easier. <laughs> it does. It really is. You're a pain in the ass when it comes to lunch. Uh, Why yeah, you don't yeah. eat breakfast. Oh, yeah, I don't even... I just don't even eat breakfast. I don't have coffee anymore, so that helps, like, with the acid control and things like that, but I just... There's nothing I can eat for breakfast that fucking is worth eating on a weekday, you know? So I'm like, I'd rather just not even do that. And also, you know, if you get up at 8 or whatever and to work, my stomach doesn't want food in it at 8. You're right. It wants food in it at 7. No. That's a cat's. Well, do you know what I want? To go over this rating system. Um... And where does this meatloaf rank? Oh, yeah, we gotta rank the meatloaf. Rank it up. Rank in the loaf. Rank in the loaf, rank in the loaf. Binge in the loaf. No, 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 we're not gonna talk about that. (laughs) All right, number one, go. Uh, Okay, first first rating scale item from one to five. One being the shittiest and five being the best. Uh, Ease of use of this recipe. This recipe was very easy to use, except for the mushroom thing. The written recipe did tell you to do the mushrooms wrong. Yes, that's. I I have. This is one of the recipes that I have split feelings on for ease of use because the rating is all based on an asterisk. It's a asterisk. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So I mean, the video recipe. Like four out of five. Really easy to follow. I don't really have any questions. Yeah, the the video written recipe, is awesome. Written recipe, I almost want to go to a two because it's just so all over the fucking place. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. There's, because there's the basic recipe and the advanced recipe, but the <laughs> write-up of the ingredients, there's no clear delineation between the written or between the, the basic and the advance on the written, so you overbuy shit, and then you end up with things that you're not going to use. Yes, that's very true. His he's got like a, a fucking some Squarespace or crap website that's like looks nice, but the color contrast on it is oh. garbage. It's oh, like you mean gray and white? black. Yeah, you mean gray backdrop with white text. Or black text? It's like dark gray with black text. I'm like, blind people can't read your website, idiot. Like, but also me, right? Like, so... I mean, aren't you blind? Well, I have glasses for that. Touche. But, uh, yeah. His website sucks, like, a lot. That's fair. Um, well, I mean, beyond the website, whoever's writing his recipes... Yeah, I mean, it's not him at this point. Could really take a page out of uh, a couple other professional chef's books and well, structure their shit better. on that note, I do really appreciate that he does post all of his recipes online and doesn't make you buy his fucking books because yeah. that's cool. Yeah, A lot well, of the chefs don't and I don't want to pay money for their stuff. Yeah, so we, talk, we talked about this that his... It's, it's, it's like the Chef John from episode one. His written recipe and his video recipe are like 99% identical. 
uh, but the directions for Babish's written versus video, there's like a 30% room for error in the way it's yeah. written versus percent presented. And that's how you get the weird fucking uh, mushroom clumpy. Mushy you. clumps. So, Avoid the mushy clumps. So what I would definitely say is watch the video and just keep pause and play and back it up and use the you know use the written to reference for your shopping list but but be careful because they mix yeah. in the basic and the advanced and it's really fucking annoying so i don't know what to tell you with that one it's pretty easy to follow the video the written yeah. all over the place the video is great if you want to know what you're doing get a general sense and like learn about these new ideas for meatloaf that we're talking about the video is what you want we can't be the first people to say this about his recipes no i'm sure no, I'm sure. So, it, yeah, yeah, this comes with a big old, like, Asterisk. buyer beware. So, I I don't know. That's that's going to probably get a three for me for ease of use because the written recipe is so... Wonky? It's misleading. It's hard to read. I will agree with you on that. Some of his other recipes, because this is two recipes on one page, some of his other recipes are less weird. But they're still not the same as the video. The yeah. video seems is easier to follow almost every time. Yeah. Yeah, but when you're trying to make your grocery list, it's really annoying to scrub through a whole video to be like, what the yeah. hell do I need for this? Yeah. And then you end up buying double the tomato paste you need. And, and I mean, it's stores, so that's an easy one. But <laughs> God forbid you buy a, a double up on a perishable good that you didn't need. Yeah, exactly. Um, Alright, so Number that, gets, two. that gets a 3 out of 5 for Number ease of use. Ease of use, 3 out of 5. Taste satisfaction. 5 out of 5. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna... It gets a 5 out of 5 because it has all the ketchupy goodness that you want from meatloaf. Like, all those nostalgic tastes that you want are still there, but it's, like, so grown up. And you can very easily adjust things to your personal preference. But, you know, as long as you keep the same core idea, five out of five either way. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think there's you much can... you need to do to adjust. Just compensate for maybe you like this more or less. Yeah, maybe you don't like lamb and so you use beef, all beef and pork. But it's that's still, still delicious. Still really good. Maybe you're kosher. You don't eat any pork. I don't oh, know what to tell you. Well, I'm really sorry about your life. No. Uh. <laughs> it's a wonderful choice. More pigs for me. You have made a choice, and I'm sorry you can't eat pork. <laughs> I don't have a, don't have anything else about that one except for I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess you could make the. Um, I, I don't, know, don't know if I would recommend doing something like this with a with a the beef and a lamb because they're no, both lean. No, that's so dry. They're You'd both have to lean. get the fattiest beef, and that wouldn't be good either. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you could try getting like 73% beef or something like that, but... I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, if you if you can't eat the pork in this, then don't bother. Probably don't make it. I would say, yeah. Or, or well, or just follow the basic recipe that only does beef, because it keeps the same idea. 
I was looking at it. The, the basic recipe keeps the same idea, uh, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be as good. It's like making a hundred percent beef meatballs. It's just a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a but bummer. the add-ons still make it delicious. Oh, I don't know. It's just, just not going to be as juicy. I don't know. <sighs> so as it's written, like five out of five, four point nine. Yes, the advanced one, as it is written, five out of five for taste satisfaction. Yes. Yeah. Um, cost effectiveness. Ooh. We get we're getting back to the it's because you're like buying stuff for meatloaf, you're gonna be sitting there going, why is this so fucking expensive? <laughs> yeah. And it's because you're buying lamb and porcini mushrooms and some other stuff, but it still felt expensive when we had like over half of the ingre these ingredients as store covered because of the, just the meat itself. Yes, but it makes food for a lot of people it does. That, for a lot of that's days. That's kind of where the offset is. Yeah, the off it, it offsets cause you, because you it makes, it makes so, a lot. Well, if you follow the recipe, it's three pounds of meat. Three pounds of meat for two people, two to ten, can go far with sides. Yeah, it's it makes a ton. I mean, I guess if you really, it's just because it's hard to buy meat in less than a pound, right? Usually you're only going to get it in a pound or more. So if you're buying three oh, types well, of meat, you're going to get a pound of beef, a pound of pork, and a pound of lamb. In terms of cost effectiveness, we didn't even talk about the part of the advanced recipe where he says to buy your meat whole and grind it yourself. That's what he says to do for the advanced <laughs> yeah. recipe. That's so right. you want to talk about cost ineffectiveness? Um, I mean, if you really want, but unless you got a really nice butcher that'll sell you cheap cuts, I don't. Just uh, if, in terms of cost, you got to go pre-ground. I think there I are. I think it's still delicious. I think there are some recipes for meatloaf that would benefit from that, from grinding your own meat, but this is not necessarily one of those. I don't think. I think it's written. To me, it's written so that it's good with the ground. I mean... The pre-ground? Yeah. Yeah. I think. And But even, again, still, the pre-ground, a little pricey just for the meat. Can't get over that. Yeah, that's, it's pricey. That's the biggest issue. Um, I have a, I'm still going to give it a 4 out of 5 because it makes so much food and it's like really, really good for what it is. I'll, I'll be the cheap bastard tonight, and I'll, I'll say 3.5. Um, no, there's no halves. No. Why not? No. Fine. Three and three-fourths. No babies, no watermelons. <sighs> well, then you're going to make me do a three. Good. Do a three. Fine. It's Take a, a stand. It's a three, <laughs> okay? Because, depending on where you get your lamb from, you have to buy organic lamb, or uh, not organic, but the, the grass-fed. Grass-fed. Yeah, everywhere only has grass-fed lamb. Everywhere which, around here. We, I mean, it's delicious. It's, it's really it's good. It's great, but they drives the price up. Yeah. So, like, if you got access to cheaper lamb or pork or beef, then, you know, this isn't an issue for you. But West Coast, Best Coast, we raise the prices on that shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Three out of five, four out of five. Cost. It, it's pretty cost of On the scale of things... You get so much stuff for what you're paying. Yes. It's pretty cost effective. I could be persuaded easily to go to a four out of five. Um, 
but you are gonna be like sad because you're making meatloaf and it costs money <laughs> yeah um what the fuck factor we talked about so many things with this recipe All of it. just the t- the inverted uh, pan technique right inverting the meat over the i've talked about this sheet. recipe with like five ten different people and all, every single time they're like put fucking lamb in that yes the no. lamb is like one of the biggest things i've never the lamb and the mushrooms i've never talked to somebody about this recipe who was like you don't put lamb in your meat like <laughs> even pork they're well, like oh, okay have, yeah pork yeah we don't yeah. have very many mike mykonos friends hmm we don't have any Mike Mykonos friends. I guess, but... Greek. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying you're going to put this out for yourself or for somebody. You're going to tell them what's in it, and they're going to be like, what the shit? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's stupid. It's really good. I, the lamb and the, and the technique of the pan and glazing... Yeah, the glaze. It's genius. And then you don't get all the meat swimming, like, yeah. where it falls, where it kind of falls apart. It's it all a crumbly mess. It all stays together. The mushrooms are huge, and just all this. The mushrooms plus all of the, like, salt bombs. Like, the Worcestershire and the fish sauce and the soy sauce. It's like... Yeah, just don't tell your mom that there's fish sauce in there, because she'll just not eat it on principle. <laughs> yeah. It's a salty surprise. Ah, that's what she said. Uh, yeah. A lot of things about this recipe that make it an exciting... It's such an exciting meatloaf recipe. Um, What's our last one? Does it leftover? Yes. Oh, wait. We never le- we never numbered the, the what the fuck. Oh, oh. It, Was it a five? Four? Five. I'm giving it, I would say five. For me, it's five out of five on what the fuck. Yeah, yeah. So many pretty, pretty, innovative uh, things about it that I wouldn't have thought of. We're pretty across the board on this one. And then, does it lift over? Yes. It's it, five out of five. It absolutely does. Five out of five. It's meatloaf. You can and microwave it. It's great. Yeah, it's actually probably one of the best re-microwaved meals that we've it's made. It's like almost the same. It's almost the same. It, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's slightly drier. <laughs> I guess, but it's still super good. Like, I don't... It's... I don't know. The dry is not a word that I would use to describe the loaf that comes out of this recipe. It's a well, soggy, I, soppy... I said slightly when you microwaved it on, like, the third day. Soggy, soppy sausage loaf. Okay. Like... It's like the day after you had terrible diarrhea. Wow. It's like that. Well, you just ruined the cell on this. If <laughs> you made it this far, that's a I consistently hope, of loaf that I, is. I hope that day after diarrhea is not the descriptor you walked away with when trying to describe this to other people. <laughs> okay, but if you want, like, if you're gonna eat meat, like, don't you want it to be day after diarrhea texture? No, no, stop it with the diarrhea. <laughs> oh my god. You do. Oh, everyone does. Anyway, that's going to do it for us today on Diarrhea with Meatloaf. And we're out.